Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, I hope you're all doing well right here where I am in the Southern Highlands, Barrel. Um, it's tulip time. It's it's spring. It's so spring-like. It's, it's crazy. There are baby ducks and there's cherry blossom and tulips. And I, I, I'm sure when I say it's tulip time and we're having a tulip festival, what you imagine is not quite what it is because, like, yeah, obviously there's heaps of tulips and it's very sunny and it's beautiful, but it's just crazy crowds. It's like, you know, for a Taylor Swift concert, you're going to get big crowds, but you wouldn't imagine that tulips would get crowds like this. And it's just every day for like two weeks straight in barrel, it just goes entirely nuts as people drive up by the busload from Sydney to look at the tulips. And and the irony this year is that the tulips were at their best two weeks ago and they're pretty much finished now, but people are still coming up every day for the tulip festival to look at the stalks of the headless tulips, but they seem to be having a great time and you can get freshly made donuts and potatoes on sticks and so there's lots of other great things to do in barrel at the moment but anyway that's what's happening here it's pretty much nuts because the town is packed with tourists which is wonderful for all the small businesses but all the locals like us tend to just hide we become nocturnal we because all the tourists go back to sydney at the end of the day so we sort of like stay in our houses and then when it's quiet in the late afternoon we we venture out to do our grocery shopping and to bump into our friends when we're walking the dogs. But anyway, that's what's happening here. Uh, updates on things if you want to try and meet me. Uh, so I've got the live shows coming up. I'm having a bit of a rest after my super long tour. Um, but at the end of this month, I'll be flying over to New Zealand and uh, there's I'll be in Queenstown, Christchurch in Auckland, and there's the big podcast show in Auckland. So if you're interested in any of those events, go to my website, raspratt.com, and the details are there in upcoming events. And then the Christmas shows, the tickets to those have also gone on sale, and they're happening in uh, Sydney, Brisbane, and Melbourne, and they're the big uh, Christmas stories with R.A. Spratt. Uh, shows where I do my all-time favourite read aloud, Nanny Piggins Saves Christmas, and I read a Friday Barnes Christmas story, Friday Barnes and the Case of the Stolen Star. So that's all coming up if you're interested in any of those things. All right. Now let's get into today's story. It's actually inspired by an upcoming event I'm doing. Um, if you remember earlier in the year, I wrote a book about Hamlet called Hamlet is Not Okay, which was a bit of a different kind of book for me. It was slightly older and it was all about Shakespeare, you know, and 
Shakespeare that's associated with all sorts of intellectual, academic, scholarly types of people. So I've actually been asked to go and talk on a panel with other scholarly, academic Shakespeare types at the State uh, Library of New South Wales on the 12th of October. But it's an evening event. I think it's more of a grown-up-y kind of event. But if you're interested in that, you can go to the State Library of New South Wales website and they've got tickets available there. Um, I'm pretty excited because I don't usually get to talk at grown-up things and they've got like some big deal people from the Bell Shakespeare Company will be there and and, um, Toby Schmitz who um, played Hamlet once. So it's going to be fun for me to talk to grown-ups. I'll tell you all about it after I've done it. All right. But anyway, doing that and having that coming up, it got me thinking, well, what story am I going to do this week? And I thought, oh, I've done lots of Greek myths and histories lately. I want to do something a bit different. And I thought, oh, why don't I do another Shakespeare story? So today I am going to do the story of Macbeth. Uh, which is a favourite of mine. I remember seeing Macbeth when I was at a high school. <laughs> the Bell Shakespeare Company actually came and performed it at, a, at my high school, and it was fantastic. So I'm going to do my version now, which is Macbeth as told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. Out, damned spot, out, I say. Samantha Green, what are you doing? asked Nanny Piggins, bursting out of the kitchen into the living room where the children were doing their homework and Boris was practising his yoga. Oh, sorry, said Samantha. I was trying to rehearse. But what are you rehearsing? asked Nanny Piggins. It sounded like something rude. Oh, no, it's Shakespeare, said Samantha. I assure you that man is quite capable of rudeness, said Nanny Piggins. I saw Midsummer Night's Dream once, and did you know there's a character in that play called, now brace yourselves, he's called Bottom. Oh dear, said Samantha. I am convinced that Shakespeare called a character Bottom just so he could justify saying the word Bottom a great many times and making the more silly members of the audience giggle repeatedly. Were you one of the members of the audience who giggled repeatedly, asked Michael. No, I'm not a giggler, said Nanny Piggins. When I laugh, I prefer it to be a single dramatic ha right before I defy the expectations of the doubting fool before me. But it did make Boris giggle, didn't it, Boris? Boris couldn't answer because he was too busy doubled over giggling. "'What are you giggling about now?' asked Nanny Piggins. "'I think he still hasn't recovered from you saying bottom twice earlier,' said Derek. "'You <laughs> said it again,' said Boris. Oh, "'Yes, anyway, that Shakespeare fellow has a dubious sense of humour, if you ask me,' said Nanny Piggins. "'Well, I've got to rehearse this speech,' said Samantha, "'because my class is doing a performance of the play Macbeth.' "'Shh!' said Nanny Piggins. "'You must never say that word!' What word, asked Samantha? Macbeth! Oh, oh! now I've said it. Goodness, quick, to the kitchen. We must break the bad luck before something terrible befalls us. How do you break bad luck in a kitchen, asked Michael. By baking an almond cake, of course, said Nanny Piggins. Almond cake is well known to have powerful good luck properties. So baking one will nullify any effect caused by saying the name of the play. Which play? Macbeth. Oh, gracious, I've said it again. We'll just have to make two cakes now. Twenty minutes later, the children were in the kitchen with Nanny Piggins, helping her mix up the cake batter. Boris was still on the living room floor, giggling about the word bottom. So have you ever seen the play, Samantha asked Nanny Piggins, the play with the name we're not supposed to mention, which is why we're baking cakes now? Well, I haven't seen it, said Nanny Piggins, but I know all about it, because, as it happens, it was based on one of my distant relatives. What, you were related to Macbeth, asked Michael. Oh, you said it again. Now we have to bake three cakes, said Nanny Piggins. 
Look, I really want to hear this story, said Derek. How about I just count the number of times you say the M word and we'll just make that number of cakes at the end. That way you won't have to keep stopping as you go along. But the name does come up a lot in the story, said Nanny Piggins. I'm going to have to say it dozens of times. So, said Derek, we'll just have to make dozens of cakes at the end. (gasps) What a brilliant plan, said Nanny Piggins. OK, I will tell you the tale. It all began back in the ancient Scottish story days. Macbeth was a dear relative of yours, guessed Derek, because Macbeth was actually a woman and a pig. Don't be ridiculous, said Nanny Piggins. Macbeth is a historical figure. He was a human man. What's got into you, Derek? You can't just make up history and change things for your own amusement, you know. Sorry, Nanny Piggins, said Derek. No, it was his wife, Lady Macbeth, who was my relative, said Nanny Piggins. Lady Violetta Macbeth Piggins. Wasn't it unusual for a member of the Scottish aristocracy to be married to a pig in those days, asked Samantha. Oh, very, said Nanny Piggins. Pigs have very high standards at the best of times, and Scottish pigs are particularly proud. But Violetta was an open-minded pig. Macbeth was a charming man and a general in the army, so he was away with work a lot, which allowed her to concentrate on important things. Run in their estate, guessed Derek. Well, she did do that, said Nanny Piggins. But no, I said important things. And there is nothing more important than baking cake, said the three children in unison. Exactly, said Nanny Piggins. She was a master craftsperson. In Scotland at the time, the local people were obsessed with porridge. Oh, said Michael. Indeed, said Nanny Piggins. The poor things. To make matters worse, sugar had not been invented yet. So the only sweetener available was honey. And this was back before anyone had invented beekeeping suits, so collecting honey could be a very painful business. But Violetta was an inventive pig. For example, she found that if you combined an alarmingly large amount of butter with flour, she could make this fabulous biscuit called shortbread. You can actually feel the butter clogging your arteries as you eat it, but it tastes so good you don't care. The end time for bed. What? It can't be the end, said Derek. You haven't told us the story. Yes, I did. I told you the story about how my dear great-great-great times 83 greats cousin, Lady Violetta Piggins Macbeth, invented Scottish shortbread, a delicious food that is still sold in colourful tins around the world every Christmas, said Nanny Piggins. It's a beautiful story of a creation that's brought endless joy and some level of heart disease to the entire world. But you are going to tell us the story of Macbeth, said Derek, the one Shakespeare wrote about in his play. Oh, that one, said Nanny Piggins. Ugh. It's very grim and miserable. Nowhere near as uplifting. It is the one we have to learn for school, said Samantha. Typical, said Nanny Piggins. The modern education system focuses on the most ridiculous things. All right, then. It all started many hundreds of years ago, when my dear cousin Violetta was at home working on her oat-based recipes while her husband, the great lummox Macbeth, was out fighting wars for King Duncan. Now, Macbeth may have been a great lummox, but he was very, very good at fighting wars. Being married to a pig, especially a piggins, had probably rubbed some extra athleticism and extraordinary acrobatic skill off on him, so he had very handily thrashed all the naughty baddies in that particular battle. So Macbeth and his best friend Banquo were all tuckered out. I'm sure driving off armies and killing people can be very tiring, both for the dead people and the soldiers who make them that way. They were wandering back across the battlefield when a thick fog came down. It's tremendously embarrassing if you've just led an army to victory to then admit that you're lost, but they were. And as they stumbled about in the fog, 
they came across three witches, exclaimed Samantha. No, actually said Nanny Piggins. I know that's what happens in Shakespeare's version, but Shakespeare didn't realise there was a backstory. What sort of backstory, asked Derek. Well, my dear cousin, Lady Violetta Macbeth Piggins, had sisters. Oh, dear, said Michael. Were they like your sisters? Yes, they were, said Nanny Piggins. They were all evil geniuses in their own unique way. In what way, asked Samantha? Well, they were all evil because they loved nothing more than tormenting their sister Violetta. And they were brilliant at impersonating witches, said Nanny Piggins. So there they were, in the middle of nowhere, all dressed up in the most ridiculous outfits. They'd made their hair all messy. They were wearing torn rags. They'd stuck green chewing gum to their faces to look like pustuous warts. They had a bubbling cauldron, the whole bit, when their brother-in-law, Macbeth, stumbled across them. Was he led to them with witchcraft, asked Samantha. That's what my teacher said they did. No, not at all, said Nanny Piggins. They used a smoke machine they'd hired from a local party supply store. When Macbeth walked in, they all launched into their performance. The weird sisters, hand in hand, posters of the sea and land, thus do go about, about, thrice to thine and thrice to mine and thrice again to make up nine peace. The charms wound up. Oh, sorry to intrude, said Macbeth. Um, boss, said Banquo, I think these ladies may be witches. That's a very rude assumption to make, said Macbeth. Why ever would you think that? Well, there's everything they say and everything they do, said Banquo. Also, there's a sign on the signing table saying, Welcome to the Scottish Witches Association Annual General Meeting. Please fill in your own name tag. Oh, so there is, said Macbeth, filling out a name tag sticker and putting it on his chest. All hail, Macbeth! Hail to thee, Thane of Glamis! Oh, that's nice. They know my job title, said Macbeth. All hail, Macbeth. Hail to thee, Thane of Cawdor, continued the witches. Oh, no, you've got it wrong. I'm not Thane of Cawdor. That's my boss, said Macbeth. All hail, Macbeth. Thou shalt be king hereafter. Ha, 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 cackled the witches. I will? Wow, that'll be so cool, said Macbeth. Did you hear that, Banquo? These weird sisters say I'm going to be king. Isn't that nice? Yes, but sir, should you be taking career advice from three women who don't know how to use any hair care products? Oh, we shouldn't be prejudiced against them just because they're having a bad hair day. And a bad facial warts day, said Banquo. Well, that's hardly their fault, said Macbeth. Warts are caused by a virus. We shouldn't be judgmental. If they say I'm going to be king, then that's just lovely. But for you to be king, Banquo pointed out, then the current king, King Duncan, who's always been so good to both of us and is beloved by all the people of Scotland, he would have to die. Oh, well, well, that would be bad, said Macbeth, very, very bad. But these lovely ladies say it's going to happen. It's fate, and you can't fight fate. If he's going to die, he's going to die. We all die eventually, you know. Yes, but preferably of very old age, Banquo pointed out. Oh, well, I don't know about that, counted Macbeth. Is being old all it's cracked up to be? All the old people I know are always complaining about their arthritis and the price of toilet paper. Maybe we'd be doing Duncan a huge favour, helping him skip past that whole bit. Now, sir, I think you're being a little bit silly, said Banquo. Now, you are married to the best and most intelligent of ladies. Oh, she's a pig, said Macbeth. Indeed, you are the luckiest of men, said Banquo. She's very wise. I think you'd better talk this over with her. She'll talk some sense into you. So Macbeth went home to his castle and explained everything that had happened to his dear wife, my dear cousin, Lady Macbeth. And she told him to murder Duncan, asked Samantha. 
Of course not, said Nanny Piggins. She told him to stop being such a big nincompoop. Murdering people is wrong. Murdering people to become king is even wronger. And murdering people because three poorly groomed women in a forest suggested it was your destiny is absolutely ridiculous. In fact, Lady Macbeth was so annoyed with Macbeth for his deeply silly murder idea, she sent him to the corner of the room and made him sit there for a good half hour having a long, hard think about himself. Macbeth was sulky at first, but by the time she let him come out of the naughty corner, he'd come to his senses. Sorry, sweetheart, said Macbeth. You're right. I know, said Cousin Lady Macbeth. I always am. But I have invited Duncan over to the castle for a sleepover, said Macbeth. I thought it'd be easier to kill him while he was asleep. What are we going to do now? You invited the king over, cried Lady Macbeth. Gosh, I've a good mind to murder you myself. Well, you can tidy up the house, and I'll go and bake the king a nice cake to welcome him to our home. Okay, said Macbeth. So later that day, the king arrived. They had a wonderful dinner party, lots of delicious food, lots of storytelling, and at the end of the night, Lady Macbeth got up on the table and did a tap dancing demonstration. Did they have tap dancing in the ancient Scottish days? asked Samantha. I've no idea what the rest of the population in Scotland could do, but all pigginses can tap dance. It's in our blood. So everyone went off to bed after a jolly good party. Lady Macbeth was just about to turn in when she remembered she'd forgotten to serve the cake she'd made. She'd invented a new recipe especially that day for the king. It was a mouth-wateringly delicious octo-honey honey cake with eight different types of honey. There was honey cake, honey-flavoured icing, honey filling, honey soaked in through the bottom, honey soaked down from the top, honey biscuits stuck to the sides, honeycomb stabbed in the top, and extra honey served on the side just in case the cake wasn't moist enough. Oh no, said Lady Macbeth. The king never got to try a slice. Macbeth, darling, be a dear and go and take the slice to the king so he can eat it before he goes to bed. Yes, dear, said Macbeth. So he went off to give the king his cake, and Lady Macbeth went to the bathroom to brush her teeth. Three minutes later, Macbeth burst back in, tears streaming down his face. What happened? she cried. Duncan is in his grave. After life's fitful fear, he sleeps well. Treason has done his worst. Nor steel, nor poison, malice domestic, foreign levy, nothing could touch him further. With this, Lady Macbeth stomped hard upon Macbeth's foot. Oh, get a hold of yourself, husband. You're speaking in Shakespearean dialogue. Have you had a stroke? No, I've just seen something dreadful, said Macbeth. I think I may be traumatised. I'm sure you are, said Lady Macbeth. I'll traumatise you some more if you don't get to the point and explain yourself. I just took your cake to the king, said Macbeth. Oh, good. Did he like it? asked Lady Macbeth. He loved it, said Macbeth. He said it was the most delicious, heavenly thing ever to touch his taste buds. Such a wise man, said Lady Macbeth. He loved it so much, he gobbled it all up, said Macbeth. It made him so happy. All the sugar racing through his veins. He said it made him feel like a young man again. Then he dropped down and did 50 burpees to show how good he felt. And you know, he wasn't a young man. And on the 49th burpee, he had a heart attack and dropped dead. My cake was so good, it killed the king? I'm afraid so, said Macbeth. That's terrible about the king, said Lady Macbeth. But still, good to know that the recipe worked. I will jot a note in the recipe book to make it slightly less delicious next time so it's not so dangerous. But we've just killed the king, said Macbeth. People are going to be so cross. What are we going to do? Well, if the king's dead, doesn't that make you the king, said Lady Macbeth? You are next in line. Well, yes, said Macbeth. 
Then let's make it your first royal decree, said Lady Macbeth, that anyone who is cross with you or wants to complain about anything, they have to come to the castle and have afternoon tea with us to talk it out. Well, how's that going to solve anything, said Macbeth. When they come to tea, we'll serve them a slice of cake, said Lady Macbeth. Well, what good would that do? They'll still be angry with me for killing the king, said Macbeth. They won't be angry for long if they eat a slice of the same cake we serve the king, said Lady Macbeth. They'll be dead, said Macbeth. Exactly, said Lady Macbeth. Oh, oh, said Macbeth, finally catching on. We're going to kill everyone to cover our tracks. Yes, said Lady Macbeth. What could go wrong? You know, this doesn't sound like a very nice story, said Samantha. It wasn't, said Nanny Piggins. Lady Macbeth was a Piggins, but this was 1,500 years ago. It was a much more bloodthirsty time. And she had eaten seven slices of the cake herself, so there was so much sugar in her veins, she was more than a little bit deranged at that moment. At first, the royal couple were hoping no one would guess that they'd killed the king. But people were not all as nincompoopy as Macbeth, so his accusers kept accusing him. And Lady Macbeth had her work cut out for her. Her husband kept bringing people home for afternoon tea, so she had to keep baking cake after cake in her kitchen. She never got any rest. She just had to keep baking, baking, baking. She never had time to get cake stains out of her clothes or off her hands. So that's why she said, out, rude word, spot, out, said Samantha. Yes, said Nanny Piggins. It had nothing to do with blood. She was trying to wash off a particularly stubborn honey stain. That poor woman, said Samantha. Yes, the real tragedy of the story of the Macbeths is she was brilliant enough to invent Octo Honey Honey Cake 900 years before the invention of the washing machine. So how does the story end, said Derek. Sadly, said Nanny Piggins, in the end, Macbeth and Lady Macbeth both ate a slice of cake. And they died? Not from the cake, no, said Nanny Piggins. Lady Macbeth was a Piggins, so no slice of cake could harm her. She went into a slight diabetic coma for three days, then woke up. It turned out that all the other people weren't dead either. They were also just in diabetic comas, and they woke up too. What, even Duncan the king, asked Samantha. Oh, yes, and he was fit as a fiddle, said Nanny Piggins. He'd been king for so long without a proper vacation. So two weeks in a coma was just the rest he needed. So everything went back to normal as if the whole debacle had never happened. Except for my dear cousin Lady Macbeth. She was so energised by the honey cake, she rowed a boat all the way to Jamaica. Why Jamaica? asked Michael. She smelled that they had sugar cane there, said Nanny Piggins, and she wanted to experiment with new ways of making honey cake with less honey so it wouldn't be so dangerous. The end. Time for bed. I don't think that's the version of Macbeth we're supposed to be learning for school, said Samantha. We're supposed to learn the Shakespeare version. Oh dear, said Nanny Piggins. I'll tell you what, if your teacher gives you trouble, I'll come into school and bring him a slice of octo honey honey cake. If he's in a coma for a week, you can do whatever play you like. Are you sure you'll have the time? asked Derek. Well, why wouldn't I? asked Nanny Piggins. Well, because you are going to have to make 78 almond cakes now, said Derek, because in total, while you were telling that story, there were 78 times that you said Macbeth. 79, said Michael. Gosh, that's wonderful, said Nanny Piggins. I must tell this story more often. The end. Okay, well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that story. Um, Check out my website, irasprat.com, for all the details of upcoming events. And that's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.